Welcome to Doctors at Work. My name is Matt Daniel and this podcast is about doctors' careers. Today I'm having a conversation with Nathan Walker. He's been involved with ACID, that's Association of Surgeons in Training for a long period of time, and he runs the ACID Mentoring course. In this episode, he tells me how he got started in society leadership roles and he outlines how one role leads to more opportunities. He runs the mentoring course and tells me what mentoring is and how to run a course. I love his passion for mentoring. One of his top tips when considering leadership roles is to stop worrying about rejection and focus on learning instead. I hope it's useful. Welcome, Nathan. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Hi, hi, Matt. Thanks so much, firstly, for um, for inviting me onto the to the podcast. Um, I'm really grateful. Um, so my name's Nathan Walker. I'm an ENT registrar uh, over in the northwest of England, and I'm also the um, mentoring lead for ASIC, which is the Association of Surgeons in Training. Um, I've been the, the mentoring lead for ASIC for a good couple of years now. I think it's two to three years, and uh, I really enjoy doing it. It's, it's a fantastic scheme to be a part of. How did you get involved with ACID in the first place? So it was actually as a medical student, believe it or not. Um, so uh, I was I was actually just scrolling through social media. You know, this is a, a long time ago now, and I came across um, ACID just on on Twitter, and I sort of had a look and thought, oh, this this sounds like me as a as a medical student who was interested in surgery. So I did a little bit more digging and looked on the website, and it turned out that actually they had you know roles that you could be a part of asset or part of the asset council. So I looked for the roles, and actually the most appropriate one for me was medical student representative. So I had a little look, and it just happened that the timing fit quite nicely, and that they were looking for a new representative. So I thought, oh, okay. So I had a little chat with the current, well, with who was the current um, asset representative at the time, and sort of asked them about the the role and and how to get involved and is there any kind of advice that they had and they gave some really good advice and it was all it was always um very positive about um about the role itself so i thought oh, i'll throw an application in and then was very very lucky very fortunate to, to get it and then it just kind of snowballed from there really once i joined and kind of got a flavor for it, it i found that you know the 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 role that asset has and the, the sort of fingers in so many pies it is just is amazing and i, I never wanted to leave so. It, it's interesting because when, when I ask this question of other people, I often get this idea that people start small and then one thing leads to another. You know, you're, you're good at what you do and then people keep asking you um, to do additional stuff. So, I mean, what? how did you actually manage to get that first role? You know, how, how did you get selected for that role? So it was um, it was an, an online application. So you had to um, submit a personal statement of, you know, why you thought that you'd be good for the role and if you had any ideas for the role, what it would be. Um, and you also had to submit a CV as well. And then that was shortlisted. Um, uh, and then that, that was kind of it, really. You just kind of threw, threw that in. Um, and then you, you found out, uh, you know, a month or two later when all the applications had been marked. And you've been involved with ACID, I know, for a number of years now. Um, mm. what, what kind of a person do you need to be to succeed in those kind of society roles? I think um, it's about engagement, really. I think there's, in order to succeed in any kind of council-related role, you have to be committed and you have to really want to, you know, change the face of surgical training in assets case. And I was always very committed to wanting the, the absolute best for whoever that was in, you know, each role. And that was obviously being medical students at the time. Um, when I was a medical student, I felt like my experience in surgery was good, but definitely could have been improved. And I wanted to improve that as much as I could. And I think, you know, some of the ideas that I thought about that I brought to the council, thankfully, were 
you know quite well received and 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 that kind of thing so then um you know exactly as you described things kind of snowball from there and then, and then you know council members will say oh we've got this project going on an asset would you like to be a part of this and you know by picking the right ones and choosing your time carefully so you're not overwhelmed with different things um i found that most of the things that i did were thankfully um well received and, and quite successful and how do you manage the the workload required with your clinical work? So so it's difficult. Um, I think setting clear boundaries w- was helpful um, because obviously having a time out of out of out of work is obviously very important as well. So um, you know I would allocate usually, um, and I still do this to be fair. You know one or two nights a week to to you know spend a couple of hours on whatever asset related work that I was doing. And I'd fit that in around my timetable. So, you know, if I was working on the weekend, I'd make sure that I would do it or I had a particular, you know, event on that weekend, I'd make sure I'd do it during the week. Or if I couldn't do it in the week, just, you know, making time for it and then making sure that when I spent that time, my head was down and I was doing it. You know, I wasn't kind of half doing it while whilst watching the TV and it taking double the amount of time. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, please click subscribe so you will be notified when new episodes come out. This podcast is part of my mission to help doctors create successful and meaningful careers. You can be part of that mission too by forwarding this show to any one person who you think might benefit from listening. Thank you. Now on with the show. How did you get interested in mentoring? So um, really it was, um, so I've always been interested in teaching and I know that's, that's obviously not the same thing. Um, but I've always had an interest in medical education and that kind of thing. And then when I was, I was previously a clinical teaching fellow in surgery. So when I was teaching the medical students, um, they would often, you know, come up at the end of the session and say to me, oh, Nathan, you know, what do you think about a career in surgery? And, um, you know, I'm trying to apply. Have you got any tips? These kind of things. And then I realized as time went on that actually, that, you know, these, these you know, medical students and junior doctors were looking for mentors. That's what they were looking for. Um, and so I did a little bit more reading about mentoring because, you know, I think we, everybody does a little bit of ad hoc mentoring here and there. But is it true, you know, um, truly trained mentoring? And then um, in 2014, the, the asset mentoring scheme commenced its pilot. Um, now, I, was, uh, I wasn't on the council at that time. That was before my time. But, you know, the pilot was very successful. Um, asset published a study that looked at, um, you know, students and junior doctors looking for surgical mentors and they found that you know 90% wanted them but only about 50% had them so clearly there was a gap in the market and and then I spoke to the current mentoring lead at that time said you know I'd be interested to get involved and then um, as time went on they said you know there was a deputy mentoring role that you could start with to get a bit more training and understanding before you know going going to the mentoring scheme itself so that's kind of how I got involved from there. And what is mentoring? So I think mentoring is um, is very specific for, for different people. So for me, you know, mentoring is a, a two-way transformational conversation between two individuals, not necessarily hierarchical, um, but basically focused on development of the mentee. And as I say, transformation in order to help them be the absolute best that they can be. And how is that different from those informal mentoring conversations? You know, we, as you said, all of us have those conversations, the coffee room, the corridor conversations. How, how is formal mentoring different to that? I think, um, you know, with, with formal mentoring training and formal mentoring schemes, the well, certainly in the, in the training that I've had, 
the the onus is a little bit less on transactional mentoring. So, you know, I come to you with a problem, you tell me how to fix it, and I go away and fix it. Um, in the mentoring that I've done and the mentoring that I try to do with my mentees, the focus is more around, like I say, transformational learning. So how can that mentee overcome the obstacles that they have? And usually that process, that transformational process is far more beneficial to them rather than me just telling them what to do. Because often, you know, if I tell them what to do, that might not necessarily be the right thing. Mm -hmm. So the people that go on the course that you now run, um, what would be sort of your top three or four things that you teach them on the course? So um, I think we the main things that we focus on are kind of the founding principles of uh, coaching or, or mentoring. Um, you know, the idea that the, the mentee is, is very resourceful um, the idea that we facilitate the mentee in, in achieving their goals. And it's not about advice giving necessarily. Um, and that, in fact, the mentee leads the session. They set the agenda for what they want to achieve. Um, and the idea that, you know, it's not a hierarchical thing, that the mentor and the mentee are on an equal playing field. And ultimately, it's all about change. So how can we get you from A to B, you know, with some realistic goals? And we try to in the in the course, you know, it's not going to be, you know, I'm going to see you and then you're going to be a consultant. And that's, you know, in 30 minutes, it's got to be realistic. So, you know, each session we try and set out realistic targets to slowly you know, chip away at that, that end goal, if that's what that is. Yeah. So I, I can see how the mentee would benefit, but you said it was a two-way process. So what's what's in it for the mentor? So I think I think there's lots, you know, there's lots of benefits um, for people to get involved as surgical mentors. You know, it's certainly from, from a, a slightly, um, you know, personal view, um, I found so, so many benefits from, from mentoring mentees. The, the joy that it, that it brings when you find someone and they sort of, there's that eureka moment of, you know, okay, yeah, this is how I can solve that problem. Um, it is really, really satisfying. And actually coming up with ideas to solve other people's problems sometimes can be quite applicable in your own situation as well. So uh, although they don't necessarily know it, in fact, they're mentoring me as much as I'm mentoring them. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to the course itself, because you, you now run the mentoring course. Is that right? Yeah, yeah that's correct. I've done that for about one or two years now. Two so years. What, what goes into running a course? So the, the, specifically to the to the asset mentoring course, it's run over two days. Um, previously, we would do it um, at the Royal College in London. Um, but uh, since COVID hit, we've transformed the course into a virtual setting, um, which comes with its pros and its cons. Um, it's run over two days and we have faculty members involved. And basically, we go through a guide, a quick guide to mentoring. Now, it's not a catch-all to be the perfect surgical mentor but we feel that it gives um it gives delegates a really good start um and then they can be involved in the asset mentoring schemes that we run um and help them get matched up with mentees and hopefully give them the skills to sort of kick start in their career as a mentor and we also run um asset mentoring master classes where existing surgical mentors come back and we can sort of have a brainstorm of ideas and help them progress Mm -hmm. And what kind of a person makes a good mentor, do you think? Um, I don't think that there is a, a, a catch-all to be a good mentor. I think, you know, diversity of, of surgical mentors is really important. You know, anybody can be a surgical mentor if they've got the right mindset for it, in my opinion. Um, I think you have to be open-minded and I think you have to be quite reflective in your practice and allowing the mentee to reflect in their own practice. 
um, that's what I feel, you know, is is useful as a as a surgical mentor. Yeah. So it's more about the mindset rather than any particular individual characteristics. I mean, I I think so. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, and if there are any surgical trainees listening, how how do they get involved, either as a mentee or a mentor? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the asset mentoring scheme is free for asset members. So if you're an asset member, you're automatically eligible to be part of the scheme. Um, on, on the asset website, there's the mentoring section that you can go on, and there's the applications for the mentees and for the mentors. Um, basically, you just send an application to us and uh, we'll process that. If it's for a mentee, then we'll get you set up with an asset mentor. And if it's to be a mentor, then we'll get you booked in with the next uh, available mentoring uh uh, program the next mentoring course the next one for example is in early november yeah. and for you running the course what does that do for you personally and for your career um i think every time i do the course i get different benefits from it because i get different perspectives um from people that reflect on the principles that we teach um and you know every time there's always one or two people that come and it's just completely not what they thought mentoring was about. Um, and they come and they're, they're a little bit apprehensive. Um, sometimes people think it's slightly on the softer skills and they're a bit kind of, yeah, not sure how to go with it. But by the end, they're, they're often flying. And it's it's that transformational process that I, I really love teaching and I get a lot out of. Yeah. Okay. Um, and in terms of Again, for people that are early on in their careers that are thinking of getting involved in society roles or in leadership roles or running courses, what, what tips would you have for somebody who's thinking, OK, you know, I want to do something, but I'm not sure what, I'm not sure how. How did they get started? Yeah, I think it's, it's just about looking around and seeing what's available and what might fit for you. Um, there are so many different roles within uh, different you know, communities and different societies Asset, I have a huge council now. Um, you know, every time I go to the conference and we have a council picture, it gets bigger and bigger. I, I don't even know how many there are. There's probably over 50, I would imagine, of all different regions, all different specialties, all different interests. So I think just researching around, you know, if it's in surgery, things like asset, if there's specific surgical specialties you're interested in, they often always have, you know, junior sections, be it, you know, for example, I'm involved in ENT. So ENT UK have SFO. Um, there's all sorts of things available and just have a look you know are you interested in research leadership are you interested in medical education leadership are you interested in you know being a council member and trying to advocate change on a national level for, for surgical trainees it really just depends and then I think not being afraid to, to sort of throw your oar in and, and give it a really good go you know it's is as many as as grateful as I am for all the opportunities that I've had I've been knocked back many times as well and that's absolutely okay and how do you deal with those knockbacks? Um, I actually try. So I always try and ask for feedback. Um, so, you know, why is it that, that this particular time things didn't come off and try not to think of it as a knockback and try to think of it as actually this is a really good thing that this has happened because I'm going to get better as a result of it. Okay. Um, so have a real reflection on, you know, why it was that I personally think I might not have gotten the role or why it is that that, you know, the people employing me or the people selecting me felt that I wasn't the right fit for them. Um, I'm really reflecting on that and thinking, okay, well, next time, how am I going to be better from that? And just being secure enough in yourself to know that, that transformation is useful and beneficial and ultimately will make you a better person going forward. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you talked about um, that idea of people being afraid because I was thinking there's probably a lot of people out there that say, oh, it's not for me. I won't get it anyway. There's somebody better qualified. Um, and people people kind of talk themselves out of it. And a lot of that, as you say, is, is, is fear that you're not going to succeed. And I really like you've mentioned the idea that um, people focus on what they're going to learn rather than what they're going to, whether they're going to get the role or they're not going to get the role. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And I was one of those people, you know, I was definitely one as a, as a medical student. I'm thinking, you know, oh, gosh, when I when when I apply to surgery, I'm going to have to all these leadership roles. I'm not good enough um, beating yourself up. I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm not going to get them. So what's the point? But actually, you know, there's no harm in just throwing an application in. Um, and you'll be surprised because you're probably your own worst critic. So I'm, I'm interested. Okay, so you used to be one of those people. What? How, how did you manage to change your mindset? I think it's it's a it's a slow process. It's not it's not something that happens overnight. And I think just getting those feedbacks, like I said, and and really reflecting on, okay, you know, this happened. Why did it happen? Why do I feel that I'm not good enough for this particular role? And instead of trying to go down the spiral of, oh, I'm just, I'm not clever enough or I'm not academic enough or whatever, actually, what are the objective things? Be objective about it, you know, and, and getting other people, sort of friends, colleagues, um, supervisors, mentors to have a chat with and say, you know, okay, well, how do you feel about that? And then trying to change the mindset to, okay, this didn't happen this time, but actually, you know, you are good enough. It just didn't happen for whatever myriad of reasons. So the next time, and there will be a next time because you're going to make them be a next time, you know, things will be different. I'm interested in you working as a mentor. Um, What what kind of issues do people bring? I don't need sort of specific details or anything identifiable, but in general terms, what, what kind of topics do people bring to mentoring? It's really, really varied. It really depends on that individual, where they are in their stage of their, their life, never mind their career, um, and what they they want to bring. There is no there's no taboo subject that can come because they know as part of our um, code of conduct and the, the mentorship agreement that we sign that everything is absolutely confidential. So it can be a whole range of things from you know people looking for um, the next stage in their career and trying to focus on how they're going to you know get that next job. Or it might be, you know, something more personal in their life or issues that they've had at work that they want to talk about. It really it really is very varied. And, and that's one of the fruitful things that I like about it is that, you know, no mentoring session is the same. And maybe if I pick up some top tips then for each of those groups. So you've obviously spoken to a lot of people that are looking at progressing their career. So what, what would be your top tips for somebody who's looking to progress their career? So I think um, the first thing is to to know where you're going. So having a real think about what it is you want to do, because that's often half the battle. You know, oh, I want to do, and you know, I'm a, I'm a junior doctor now. I'm a I'm a foundation doctor. I'm not really sure where I want to go. You know, do I want to do an F three year? Do I want to just go straight into training? Do I even want to work in this country? And um, and it's about you know just spending that time because that's that's useful time invested into what it is that you want to do, because then you can work backwards. You can say, okay, my goal is to be a consultant surgeon. How am I going to get there? Okay, well, the next step is to apply for core surgical training, right? So I'm going to look at the core surgical training application system and where does where do I stack up against it and what there is, what is there to do? And just breaking it down into manageable bite-sized chunks 
um, okay, well, this week I'm going to focus on this audit and and just, you know, one again, like I said, chipping away slowly with realistic timeframes um, in order to, to, to what it is that you want to achieve. And you mentioned that some people will bring um, challenging workplace um, topics. So what, what would be your tips for somebody that's facing challenges at work? I mean, of course, it depends what the challenge is, but in general terms? Yeah, so I think... Um, it was, so in, in situations like that, it's, it's useful to reflect on why that that is the case um, in order to address the, the core issue. So if it's, you know, a relationship with a colleague, for example, you know, what what is the, the difficulty in that relationship? Why has that happened? Um, you know, what are the events that have led up to that situation? And then how can you change things going forward? You know, how say you were, you know, what's the ideal outcome of the scenario? Oh, well, the ideal outcome is that, um, you know, the relationship's great with my trainer and I get more cases in theatre. OK, well, let's say that that situation has happened. You know, what are the steps that you need to, to achieve that? Well, you know, maybe I could be more open or, or just have a, a discussion with them about how that, you know, how I'm feeling and, and, and how we can change it going forward. OK, so when are we going to do that? So it's just about, you know, those kind of reflective conversations about the events that have happened in a safe space and often... Once people have done that, they can often root the, the issue out and, and make amendments or, or improvements going forward. And then my final question, if I return back to you in leadership roles or in society roles, what, what would be your top tips for somebody who's thinking about taking on a leadership role? So I think um, absolutely do it. Um, you know, because once you've once you've gotten in there, the benefits kind of, like I said, they snowball, they it really is such a beneficial thing to do and will often lead on to, to multiple opportunities. And I think, like I said, don't be afraid to get stuck in regardless of, you know, seniority in a council role or whatever it is. Everybody is there to, to benefit the system, to benefit, you know, in assets case, surgical trainee. So we want to hear from you. It, there's no such thing as a stupid idea. It doesn't exist. So really don't be afraid to get stuck in and, and help out because often if you do, the benefits will, will far outweigh the work that you have to put in for it. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Nathan. Thank you so much for your time. Cheers.